Uh, good afternoon and welcome to the lunchtime service here at All Souls. My name's Ali Gladhill. I help to lead these services here. Uh, I'm sad that we can't meet together in person, but glad that we're still able to meet around God's word in fellowship together albeit via video. Uh, welcome if you're regular among us week by week. Uh, welcome if you're joining us online where you're not normally able to be with us. Uh, I'm glad that we can share this time of fellowship in the middle of the day uh, with one another. In a few minutes time, uh, Ollie Lansdowne is going to come and speak from God's word. Uh, Ollie is a student worker here at All Souls. Uh, he might not be a familiar face to many here, uh, but his wife Katie will be. She's a regular at these lunchtime services. It's great to have Ollie sharing from the Bible in a moment's time. I thought I should just read a, a verse from the Bible, uh, say a word of prayer, and then I'll read our Bible passage. Uh, you might want to look it up. Uh, we're in Mark chapter 15 uh, from verse 33. And I'll do that in a moment. But first a verse and a prayer. Uh, this is Psalm 46 from verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Let me pray for our time together now. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness towards us. And we thank you that you are a refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And our Father, in these troubled times, we pray that we would learn to lean on you and that as we meet this lunchtime, you would speak to us. You would challenge us and encourage us. We would hear your word today by your spirit. And we ask it in the name of your son. Amen. Well, let me read Mark chapter 15, verse 33 to 39. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lima sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone rang, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Hi, my name is Ollie Lansdowne and I work with students here at All Souls. The title for today's lunchtime talk is What Would Jesus Say to Someone Who Is Scared About Coronavirus? And here's my thesis. I want to give it to you up front. I want to convince you, particularly if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I want to convince you that Christianity uniquely has the resources to offer you peace of mind both now and into the future. But it's worth saying that there are going to be parts of this talk that are pretty bleak. 
The reason for that is because if we are going to deal with our fears, we have to be honest about the reality of our situation. We're in the teeth of a pandemic that we're frankly unprepared for, and we don't know what the future is going to cost. Where can you find peace of mind when you are locking eyes with death and isolation? The surprising thing about today's passage is that peace is found at the feet of a man being crucified. But more on that later on. To me, peace of mind is the 20th of December, the day when I'm in charge, the day when no one can tell me what to do, my birthday. Something you should know about me, in the deepest, most definitive parts of who I am, I am an introvert. My wife Katie, on the other hand, not so much. If you've heard of the Myers-Briggs personality test, her four letters are E-E-E-E. A couple of months ago, we were chatting about my plans for my birthday. Um, I could take the day off if you wanted, said Katie, the extrovert, who enjoys the company of other people. Nah, don't worry about it. There's really no need, said I, the introvert who's triggered by social situations and small talk. It's really no problem, said she, and she had like love in her eyes. I'd really rather it if you didn't, said I, and my eyes were full of fear. Eventually she gave in because she's weak and cares about what other people think, whereas I am heartless and stubborn. But friends, I had the time of my young life that birthday. I woke up, no one had any expectations of me. I went to my favourite coffee shop, shout out to Caravan Fitzrovia, and just sat by myself alone doing nothing because no one had any expectations of me, so I could. I had a book with me, open on the table, didn't even read it because I didn't have to, it was down to me. I think I might have scared some people, if I'm totally honest, um, but I literally did not care. Social distancing is the way of life that I and maybe you have been preparing for all of my life. I had found my Zen. I was at peace. I want to ask you a 500-year-old question. It's a question from a document that has set the direction of Protestant Christianity since it was first penned in 1563, a document called the Heidelberg Catechism. It goes like this. What is your only comfort in life and in death? What's your biggest comfort in life and in death? I wonder how you would answer that. To put it another way, where do you find peace when life throws its worst at you? For me, comfort and peace of mind is the 20th of December. But the problem for me this birthday, sitting in Caravan Fitzrovia, is that I kept getting chest pains. Since birth, I've had a condition called aortic stenosis. Essentially, my aortic valve, which literally has one job, just really isn't doing it. And as a result, my heart has to work overtime. If I'd been born 20 years earlier, I would have dropped dead at age seven. Praise the Lord for the NHS. But here's what that's meant for me. I've known since childhood that I cannot find peace inside myself. I cannot find peace on my own. I could have tried to ignore those chest pains and, you know, look for my inner zen, but bluntly it's feasible that that could kill me. Here's one way you could answer that 500-year-old question. My biggest comfort in life and death is that I am my own. I belong body and soul to me, and I can take whatever life has to throw at me. I wonder, if you're being honest, is that how you might answer that question? 
does your peace of mind ultimately depend on your inner strength? If it does, will you gently but firmly let me deconstruct that foundation for you? Because my concern is that trying to find peace by looking inside your heart for it, well, it could kill you. Okay, here's what I've got for you. I've got a problem and a possibility. Let me state the problem up front as bluntly as I can. If your peace of mind depends on you, it will fail you at the moment you need it most. I used to think that peace of mind was a fragile thing. I used to think you had to handle peace with care. Don't overthink it or it will scurry off. Keep it away from your doubts or it might get offended. Don't let it know about science and definitely don't let it read the news. Peace is the sort of substance that will evaporate on contact with question marks and facts. You know those magic eye optical illusions that you pretended you could do at school, um, where there would just be a ton of random colours and shapes that looked like someone had sicked up Haribo? And you'd like look slightly past the picture while crossing your eyes, and suddenly you'd see a spaceship flying out of the page, or if you're like me, pretend to see a spaceship flying out of the page. That. That is what I thought peace was like. It's there, maybe, but only if you can turn off your inner cynic and go slightly cross-eyed. The rest of the time, you just have to lie. Oh, yeah, peace of mind. Great, isn't it? I don't think that anymore, and here's why. If you can't stamp on your peace of mind, it is useless to you. Worse than that, if you can't stamp on your peace of mind, then it will fail you at the moment you need it most. If you can't throw your full weight against your peace of mind without it breaking, then it will fail you in the moment you need it most when your life is in freefall. You'll be sitting at your dining room table, your phone will vibrate twice, you've tested positive, and then you'll be lying in a puddle of tears unable to get up. If your peace of mind depends on you, it will fail as soon as you do. If your peace of mind needs you to be strong, what is going to happen when you're weak? If your peace of mind needs you to be good, what will happen when you aren't? Peace of mind that depends on you will fail you at the moment you need it most. So can I extend what might sound like a slightly odd invitation to extend during a pandemic? I want to invite you to stamp on your peace of mind. If it cracks, it is worthless to you. Can your peace of mind deal with everything that life can throw at you? Can it handle your cynicism and your doubts? Can it handle your bank balance and your mental health? Can it deal with a pandemic that has outpaced our ability to respond? Can it deal with testing positive or your family testing positive? Can it deal with unemployment or family breakdown or heart failure or worse? Can it deal with the worst that life has to throw at you? When you're at your weakest and your worst, will your peace of mind still be there for you? Respectfully, if you're not sure, you'd better find out soon. Because if it cracks under the weight, then the moment you realise that may well be the moment that it's too late. Stamp on your peace of mind. If it cracks, now you know it's worthless. Okay, that's the problem. Now I want you to imagine a possibility. Imagine if there was a peace that was stronger than you and your ability to handle life. 
What if there was a peace that could pick you up when you were broken? Imagine a peace that didn't shake even if you are. Imagine having the sort of peace that could take the worst that life has to throw at you, unemployment, isolation and death. Peace that was there for you when you're at your weakest and your worst. That is the offer of our passage today. Mark chapter 15, verses 33 to 39. Uh, Turn it up if you've got access to a Bible um, and put a finger in there because uh, before we read it, I just want to say a couple of things by way of framing this passage. What we find in this passage is a piece that can cope with a pandemic. We're going to meet the one who loved us to hell and back, who loved us when we were at our weakest and at our worst. But to see the size of that love and the strength of that peace, we need to take a hard look at ourselves and at ourselves at our weakest and worst. What's the worst thing about us? We are guests of God's reality, but we've lived our lives as though he isn't there. It's what Christians call sin. Why is that so bad? Well, if I can put it like this, sin is the ultimate cultural appropriation, if you know that term. Cultural appropriation is uh, when you seize what someone else has made, empty it of its meaning, and use it for your own domineering and self-centered purposes. And isn't that how we have treated the creator of this world? We've waltzed into this world and acted like it was ours for the taking, without a thought for who might already be here and why. Why they may have made it in the first place. Human beings have taken what God made, emptied of all its meaning, and without acknowledging him or treating the world with the holy dignity it was made for, just used this world for our own selfish purposes. And the Bible says there's a day coming where God just isn't going to stand for that anymore. There is a day coming where we'll be held to account for the way we have lived our lives. The worst thing about us, our sin, which means the worst problem we are facing is not death in this pandemic. It's the death of being cut off from the God of life. And in fact, that isn't just a possibility, something that might happen to us. It's what justice demands. One of my heroes is someone called Rachel Dan Hollander, who wrote this book, What is a Girl Worth? Uh, She was the lead witness in a case against the convicted child molester, Larry Nasser. And I want to read a line from her victim impact statement, because I think it demonstrates why delivering justice isn't optional for God. Speaking uh, to the judge and to the courtroom, she said this. I submit to you that the preeminent question in this case is how much is a little girl worth? How much is a young woman worth? She went on to say, I ask that you hand down a sentence that tells us that what was done to us matters, that we are known, we are worth everything, worth the greatest protection the law can offer, the greatest measure of justice available. That is the question a courtroom must answer. And if justice is to be done, that is the question that God will one day be answering. God, how much is a little girl worth? How much is a young woman worth? God, what was the value of everything that human beings have mistreated? 
when you look at justice in the Bible, uh, something very quickly becomes apparent. And it's that the price that justice demands is proportional to the value and dignity of the thing that has been mistreated. Abuse someone's property, and that's bad. Abuse an animal, and that's worse. Abuse a human being, and that is unspeakably abhorrent. So think about this with me. What does justice demand from those of us who have mistreated the God of heaven and earth? Okay, now turn with me to Mark 15 and see what Jesus went through to offer us peace. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, he's on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He breathed his last, and then the temple, the curtain in the temple, separating humanity from the presence of God, was torn in two. In which direction? Top to bottom, heaven to earth. Friends, Jesus' death means that you and I can have peace. Let me explain why. If the Bible is to be believed, one day I am going to stand before the God of heaven and earth and be asked to give an account for how I have lived my life, how I used my time and money, how I treated the people around me and how I treated God. Why I lied to the people who loved me, why I belittled the God who made me, why I treated women as objects and God as a nuisance. And after I've given an account for how I have lived, God will be asked a question. What does justice demand? What was the value of everything that Ollie mistreated? And at that point, I would have no right except to be diminished to nothing forever. But because I have taken refuge in Jesus, that is not what is going to happen. Instead, God will point to Jerusalem 2,000 years ago to the crucifixion of his perfect son, Jesus Christ, and say, that is how much a little girl is worth. That is what grown men and women are worth. That is the value of my name, the fullest measure of justice available. And instead of sending me to the depths of hell to pay for what I have done, he will welcome me into his home as a love child forever because justice has already been done. The price has already been paid. Jesus' death means justice can be satisfied and sinners like me can have peace with God forever. Do you see how strong that peace is? Jesus endured the forsakenness of God so that you and I could have peace forever. You can throw your weight at Jesus. He's already been through hell for you. This is peace that you can sit back into and stay at home with. 
This is peace that you can cry on and throw your weight at. This is peace that not even the full fury of hell or the utmost justice of heaven can rob you of. This pandemic can't touch it. One of the hard things about finding peace in the coronavirus pandemic has been not knowing what the future is going to hold or what it's going to cost us. But I do know what my future holds. Peace with God forever. And I do know how much it costs, but the price has already been paid. It was paid for at the cross. Any shadow that blocks my view of that, it's only temporary, whether it be pandemic, isolation, unemployment, even death. The shadows will pass, the tears will be wiped away, and the sunlight of peace with God will never stop shining on my face. Life forever in a world made right. So as I finish, let me extend an invitation to you. Will you find your peace in Jesus? Can I invite you to put all your hope in Jesus today? Let me refer back to that 500-year-old question, because it was actually put stronger than I might have let on. Here's the way that the authors wrote it. What is your only comfort in life and in death? Can I be honest? If your answer to that question is, I can take whatever life has to throw at me, you are kidding yourself. Here's the answer that was penned 500 years ago, summarising the heart of the Christian faith. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful saviour, Jesus Christ. That is the sort of peace that not even the threat of heart failure can rob me of. Speaking personally, my heart may fail, but my Jesus will never fail me. The answer continues. Jesus has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair from my head can fall without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. I still have a heart condition, but my confidence is not in myself. It's that one day when justice is finally done, I will be with Jesus forever, the one who loved me to hell and back. Look, maybe you've never really thought much about spiritual things or about what Jesus might mean for you. Well, now would be a really good time to start. Um, we've put up some free videos uh, and free resources from our friends at Christianity Explored that you won't want to miss. We'll try and make sure there's a link for those uh, under this video. But for now, I'm going to pray. Um, maybe you've never prayed before. Again, now would be a really good time to start. No matter where you find yourself, he is there and he loves to listen to whatever you've got to say to him. Let me invite you at this moment to put your peace in Jesus today by praying along with me now in the quietness of your own heart. Lord Jesus, I know that I cannot find peace in myself. I want to take refuge in you. I'm sorry for ignoring you in the way I have lived in your world. Thank you for paying the price my sin deserved on the cross. I want to follow you now and forever. I am no longer my own. Instead, I take refuge in you and give you everything because you gave your everything for me. Amen. Look, if you prayed that for the first time, we'd love to be in touch with you. Do get in contact with us. Uh, but for now, I'm going to hand back over to Ali. 
Well, I'm glad you were able to join with us for that. Uh, and let me echo what Ollie said at the end of his talk there. If you'd like to take anything that he said further, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. Uh, by email is probably the best way at the moment. Workplace at allsouls.org is the easiest way to keep in touch. Well, that's it for our service together now. Uh, let me say a final word of prayer for us as we go back to whatever the afternoon has in hold for us. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be among us and remain with us always. Amen.